Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The book of 1 John, though short in length, is anything but short in its spiritual content. This short epistle conveys some of the richest and deepest thought in all of the New Testament. Even its sequence is marvelous, beginning with the divine life and the fellowship of life, which is our participation in God's life. It then moves on to the teaching of the anointing, which, as we have already seen, is crucial to the experience and growth of every believer. Finally, it comes to the last main section, that of the virtues of the divine life that we possess by the divine birth. And it is here that we see the progression brought to its consummation, that the children of God become his eternal expression and counterpart, all in this short book of First John. Matt Miller has joined us today. Matt, always nice to have you in the studio, regardless of which end of the mic you're on. And today you're the uh, the interviewee, and I would be the interviewer. But at any rate, wonderful portion of fellowship before us, isn't it? It sure is, Chris. I'm looking forward to this uh, life study on the virtues of the divine birth, this important third section of John's first epistle. Well, we just concluded yesterday the long portion in the middle on the teaching of the anointing, so many aspects of the anointing and I saw things this time going through the life study and in the recording opportunities with the various brothers and in, you know, the verses and listening to Witness League. And I, I saw the anointing in a very fresh and revealing way for me. How about you? You've participated in some of those programs also. Absolutely, Chris. And these programs were originally spoken. The life study was given with Witness Lee in 1983. Yeah. And I think we were both in those meetings. Yeah. Uh, I know I was 21 years ago. And it's amazing how either your ears change or something happens in 21 years, but I, I'm hearing things that I can't believe I, I was in the meetings and I, I seem just to miss them. Well, I think it's a good maybe transition to see that this section on the anointing ends with verse 27 of chapter 2. And that is the well-known verse which we've spoken many times now in, in the past days. But let me just read it once more because I want to pick up one aspect here. It says, as for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone teach you, but as his anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and even as it has taught you, abide in him. So this section concludes with abide in him. Now we come to verse 28, which is the first verse in the section we begin today, and it starts out, and now, little children, abide in him. So the common link here is quite obvious. It's a matter of abiding. And the whole uh, development of the anointing and the teaching of the anointing, the experience of the anointing, as we saw in the last programs we recorded, all together related to this matter of abiding. And that's right where we begin today, isn't it? It sure is, Chris. And, uh, of course, abiding is the key. And hopefully our listeners are tuned in right now and focused in on 
getting what this matter of abiding is all about, I think uh, today's life study is going to be a real important help of making that clear. So this section begins in verse 28 of chapter 2 of First John with abide in him. Then in the middle or the meat of this section, and I grabbed a couple verses or one particular from chapter 3, verse 6, it says, everyone who abides in him does not sin. So it begins with abiding, it continues with abiding, and then later on in chapter 3, verse 24, it says, and he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. So the mutual abiding, God in man, man in God, this is really the dominant theme. We'd have to say, in many ways, the goal of John's writing in this book, wasn't it? Yeah, Chris, and you know, you read that verse uh, 6, everyone who abides in him does not sin. You know, a lot of people hear that verse and all they can remember is, does he does sin. not sin. <laughs> yeah. They forget everyone who abides in him. And, and, and actually, there's more uh, verses related to this point that there's a lot of misunderstanding about. That's why I'm looking forward to this yeah. life study. I think it's going to be a real help today, this particular life study program. Okay, well, enough introduction and enough of our uh, carrying on. Let's get to the meat of it. Here's Witness Lee. Sounds good. In this section, from verse 28 through 324, the apostle continues to describe the life that abides in the Lord. It begins, continues, and ends with abide in him. This is a long section, but it begins with abide in the Lord, it continues with abide in the Lord, and ends with abide in the Lord. So this indicates this section is on the abiding in the Lord. These verses tell us that we have to abide in the Lord. And the Lord in this section is the triune God, which the very pronoun he or him denotes. We have to abide in this triune God. To abide in this triune God is not a simple thing. You are a man, and God is so divine. How could we, a human being, abide in God who is so divine? This word abide in Greek is meno, M-E-N-O. It really means to dwell. To abide in God means to dwell in God, uh, to dwell with God. That's okay. But to dwell in seems to uh, our human mentality no possibility. How could such a thing? Well, in this section, it stresses a basic factor. That is our divine birth. Too many times in this section, this word has been repeated. That has been begotten of God. Has been begotten of God. Has been begotten of God. This refers to our divine birth.
Well, Matt, we have this uh, big point at the end of his fellowship here that we'll have ample opportunity to touch on and develop this matter of the divine birth being the key to the dwelling. I'd like to, if we could come back to maybe a point that was easy to miss, and again, this is kind of a linkage back to the section we've just completed. We saw in John's writings in chapter 2 an unveiling of the triune God in both of his aspects, and by that I mean both the three of the Godhead and the unique oneness of God, our having only one God. Uh, we saw that developed, and it continues here. And that was, again, John's use of the singular pronoun, either he or him. And when you follow it back to see what it refers to, it's clear it has to refer to both the Son and the Father in context. In verse 28 uh, that we just read, we see the him clearly refers to the one who is coming. Him who is coming. That's surely the Son. But if we go to verse 29, the very next verse, the he there, the singular pronoun there, is referring to the one who we have been begotten of. That means that has to be the father of all life, doesn't it? Yeah, Chris, that's a verse. You're pointing out a point that Witness Lee likes to talk about because when the Bible says, when John says, abide in him, who's the him? I think a lot of us just take that for granted, yet when you look at who the him is in these verses, I think you, you pointed it out quite well in verse 28. The him, you know, we would not be put to shame from him at his coming. Well, Christ, the Son, is obviously the one who's coming. That's Jesus. He's coming. Right. And then in verse 29, it says that you know that everyone who practices righteousness has also been begotten of him. Okay. And again, I just, I'm repeating what you said. So we were begotten of the Father. So is which hymn is it? Is it the Father or is it the Son? Yeah. Well, we have to say two in one. It's the same. We're begotten of him. We have to abide in him. And and I was also going to just repeat, you mentioned in chapter 2, you've already talked about this in other programs, but just for the listeners who might have missed it, in verse 25 you have the same thing. It says, this is chapter 2, verse 25, this is the promise which he himself promised us the promise of eternal life, yet who's he himself? Well, if you look back in verse 24, it says, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Yeah. So the, the he himself in verse 25 refers to the Son and the Father. It's a singular pronoun he, but it's referring to the Son and the Father. We have to be clear, the Son cannot be separated from the Father. And John was clear in his writings using a single pronoun referring to the plural of the Son and the Father. There is a distinction between the Son and the Father, but the Son and the Father can never be separated. Yeah, it was very good, and I think it is worth repeating at such a strong point Ron Kangas made as we touched uh, that passage you just read a couple of days ago. It was not accidental. It was not inconsequential. John was writing to defeat a kind of heresy that was prominent in that time concerning the person of Christ and uh, very much related to the triune God. So he was not doing uh, that kind of polemic writing without careful consideration of every word and certainly his choice of pronoun there and leaving the ambiguity uh, in place as to whether it was referring to the Son or the Father. We have to conclude that it was referring both to the Son and the Father but with the singular pronoun. These are not accidental things, but I think a good insight into the way that Witness Lee, Watchman Nee, his mentor, approached the Word of God, taking nothing for granted. And we should be careful as well. We shouldn't take it for granted. I think a lot of us would like to just abide in Him, keep it general. But who is the Him? And why do you have to talk about these things? I think some people get exasperated when they start to talk about the triune God and the, the Father and the Son. And Well, 
This is the Apostle John. This is the Bible. This isn't our doing. A life study is a book-by-book, verse-by-verse study of the Bible, and this is the Bible. This is not our invention. Yeah. All right, let's come back now to, I think, the uh, the real point of focus for today's program, this matter of the divine birth being the key to how can we, as just mere mortals, not just abide or dwell with God, as he said, but abide in him. And that is a marvelous mystery. Let's pick up another couple of verses, Matt, this time from John's Gospel. Chapter 3, he said, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, very well-known verse, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Some translations say born again, no problem. Born anew, born again. And then verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. These are helpful verses in this coming portion. Looking forward to it. How could we dwell in trying God? Because we have been born of Him. This is wonderful. This is the wonder of the wonders in the entire universe. How could we, human beings, born of the very God who is so divine, how could we sinners become the children of such a divine being? Wonder of wonders. No wonder is so great as this one. It happened not doctrinally, nor psychologically. No, it happens organically. It happens in our spirit. And the Lord Jesus in John 3 6 did say, He that is born of the Spirit is spirit. And we do have such a birth. This birth brings us a divine life. And that divine life is just a divine seed. And this divine seed is now in our being. So, in this divine life, spontaneously, we are abiding in God. We are dwelling in the triune God. You don't need uh, to exercise to dwell in. You are in already. The only thing that you need to take care of is not to get this interrupted. You have been born of God, and God's seed, His divine seed, abides in you. So, by this, you can abide in God. And you are in God. And you can dwell in God. This section charges us again and again, abide, abide, abide. Matt, once again I was struck, um, even with the verses we read at the beginning, and how Witness Lee picks up this linkage, how many Christians are familiar with John 3.3, 3, being born again? Probably the vast majority, right? But how many would you say are familiar with John 3.6? <laughs> well, I hope more after this program. <laughs> I hope that uh, this would be a revitalizing gospel for many. Chris, I can't help but tell you a story. Recently, my wife went on a trip, and, and I was home, and, and she's got a garden in the backyard. And she didn't ask me to water the plants or anything, but I went back there and one of the plants was just completely on the ground, and I was like, 
oh no she's yeah. gonna she's I gonna know come. the feeling yeah. i'm like oh no and so i got some water and i watered it and, and i was surprised when she got back the next day the whole plant had revitalized and it lifted off the ground and it looked healthy again yeah and and i couldn't help but think of that as we were reading these verses and talking about this point about the divine life because so many believers they don't have the concept that the christian life is a matter of the lord's life in us i think people listening right now they might be like that they just through some neglect lack of abiding which is the watering right it's not a matter of behavior it's a matter of are you getting the supply they're listening right now their leaves are on the ground the branches are just wilted <laughs> dry and inwardly their spirit hopefully there's the same kind of reaction oh no we need to do something but it's not a matter of changing your behavior it's a matter of you need to get some water you need to get some supply. And the supply, miraculously, causes you to be a different person. You're not wilted. You're not dry. You're not on the ground. You're all of a sudden buoyant. It's a miracle of the divine life, a miracle of the abiding. Uh, I, I'm really struck by um, the poignancy of your little story. It is such a good picture because this is life. The plant has value because it's living and it was suffering. He made a great comment uh, early on. He said, the divine birth, the new birth being born again, this did not happen doctrinally or theologically. This happened organically. And as you said, how many times do we and most of our brothers and sisters in the Lord lose track of the organic aspect of our salvation? Yes, of course, doctrinally, theologically, and eternally, we are saved. We know that. But in, in the organic Christian life, uh, there's a big neglect often. We need more than teaching. We need water. Yes. Absolutely. We need a supply, and, and the Lord wants to give the supply. Well, I think you and I both have to testify over the uh, years, and maybe many of our listeners also would share this testimony, how often this ministry has provided that necessary, needed, desperately needed drink to revive a, a struggling plant. I hope it's going on right now for some of our listeners. Well, let's come to our final segment today, Matt, and another verse that we've spoken so many times, and I'm sure we will in the uh, days and months and years ahead as we continue the live study and that is 1 Corinthians 15:45, just a little portion from it that says very simply, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Here's Witness Lee again. When you abide in the triune God as the all-inclusive, compound, life-giving, and indwelling spirit in you, he will saturate you, and you will soak in him. Now, the triune God today has been processed. He has gone through incarnation, human living, crucifixion, resurrection. And now, he is the compounded spirit with all the elements. The elements of divinity, the elements of humanity, the element of incarnation and the element of human living and the element of crucifixion and the element of resurrection. All these elements are compounded in the all-inclusive spirit who is illustrated by paint. Now we do have such a paint full of elements, ingredients. Okay, and these all inclusivity within us is anointing, anointing, anointing. That means what? It's painting, painting, painting. Well, he is painting within us. I tell you, all these 
elements, divinity, humanity, incarnation, human life, crucifixion, resurrection, all these elements will be put into our being. And all these will saturate our being. And our being will sink in all these elements. Then their sins, eventually, we all become his expression. We express him. See? Because we have been saturated with him. Through the divine birth, we have received divine seed, and by this divine seed, we surely can dwell in our God all the time, that He may have a time, a chance to saturate us with what He is. Matt, we mentioned early in the program today that this third section really has as its focus the divine virtues becoming the attributes of the believers to ultimately express them. I think we just got a kind of a good preview here of how this is possible, and maybe you can just uh, develop it a little bit. Well, the way it's possible is through the Spirit, and uh, the example he used is the painting. And the painting, the anointing that we talked about in the previous section, is likened to paint. You know, there's a long footnote in the recovery version that talks about this. And and we're talking about here on the program that when you paint something, the element of that paint gets put into the thing that it's painted onto. The mm-hmm. wood is saturated with the elements of the paint. It expresses the paint, and it's infused with the paint. And that's what the anointing wants to do with us so that we would express God. We're not trying to perform some kind of a behavioral change, but we, through this saturation with the Spirit, through enjoying the Spirit, abiding in the Lord, the Spirit saturates us, paints himself into us, we express something different. We're not expressing ourselves anymore. We're expressing the Spirit. We're expressing the paint because that paint has been painted into our being. We should all the time, Lord, saturate me, fill me, permeate me with the Spirit, infuse me with the Spirit. This should be our intention, our prayer, our desire, Lord, all the time. I need to be infused and saturated with the Spirit so I'm not expressing myself, but I'm expressing you. Matt, that's really a good picture because it's impossible to be saturated with the Spirit without being saturated with the elements or the components of the Spirit. And as we've seen many times previously, all these attributes, all these virtues are those of Christ. They're not ours, but they're added to us as the Spirit is being anointed or painted into our inner being. And then there's a, just a natural expression, as you said, of the paint, of the virtues and attributes of the paint. This is actually God's economy, God's whole purpose in a nutshell, that God went through a process. He became a man. He lived on the earth for 33 and a half years. He suffered. He died. He went through resurrection and ascension, and then as the Spirit, he imparted himself into the believers, so the believers now have all that he attained to, all that he obtained. It's put into us. All the process that he went through is infused into us, so we get the benefit of all of the attributes of Christ. Wow. So instead of having the focus of our daily living, um, trying to be careful not to make a mistake or not to slip up, the focus should be not to do anything that will interrupt this anointing, this painting process. That's right. It's a different kind of calibration for our thinking, isn't it? Well, I hope people are getting recalibrated. I hope that we can really turn people to what God is really desiring and hoping for. And it really is what we're really hoping for, too. 
be made like him by virtue of this organic process. And not just for our listeners. My hope is this for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Matt, we've used all our time, enough just left to uh, give the toll-free number. We hope you'll contact us. We'd love to see you get this life study uh, in your own hands, this two-volume set of First, Second, Third John, and Jude. If you'd like to contact us to find out, it's one eight 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 life study That's one eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. Join us again tomorrow. We continue on our life study of First John. For Matt Miller, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks very much for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher and distributor of the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. If you'd like to contact us, just email radio at lsm.org or call us toll free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.